welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. As the new year approaches and on into 2023, 4, 5, 6, let us maintain the vibration of love and those higher thoughts and qualities, not only for ourselves and our loved ones, but for all God's children and all the world around us. More importantly though, let us stay connected to and under the guidance of our own mighty I Am Presence, no matter what may come. And since the world's outcome will be determined by mankind's collective energy, every individual on this earth should govern wisely their own energy by staying in the flow of those higher qualities, tuning into the love of our own mighty high on presence, and radiating that love back into the atmosphere. Because in the midst of all the chaos, in the end, and in the grand scheme of things, that loving energy will matter. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The general name Gnostics is used to designate several widely differing sects, which sprang up in the eastern provinces of the Roman Empire almost simultaneously with the first planting of Christianity. That is to say, these sects then for the first time assumed a definite form, and ranged themselves under different teachers, by whose names they became known to the world, although in all probability their main doctrines had made their appearance previously in many of the cities of Asia Minor. There, it is probable, these sectaries first came into definite existence under the title of Misti, upon the establishment of a direct intercourse with India and her Buddhist philosophers, under the Seleucidae and the Ptolemies. The term Gnosticism is derived from the Greek, Gnosis, knowledge, a word specially employed from the first dawn of religious inquiry to designate the science of things divine. Thus Pythagoras, according to Diogenes Laertius, called the transcendental portion of his philosophy, the knowledge of things that are. And in later times Gnosis was the name given to what Porphyry calls the antique or oriental philosophy, to distinguish it from the Grecian systems. But the term was first used, as matter on good grounds conjectures, in its ultimate sense of supernal and celestial knowledge, by the Jewish philosophers belonging to the celebrated school of that nation, flourishing at Alexandria. These teachers, 
following the example of a noted rabbi, Aristobulus, surnamed the Peripetician, endeavored to make out that all the wisdom of the Greeks was derived immediately from the Hebrew scripture, and by means of their well-known mode of allegorical interpretation, which enabled them to elicit any sense desired out of any given passage of the Old Testament they sought, and often succeeded in establishing their theory. In this way they showed that Plato, during his sojourn in Egypt, had been their own scholar, and still further to support these pretensions, the indefatigable Aristobulus produced a string of poems in the names of Linus, Orpheus, Homer, and Hesiod, all strongly impregnated with the spirit of Judaism. But his Judaism was a very different thing from the simplicity of the Pentateuch. A single, but very characteristic production of this Jewish gnosis has come down to our times. This is the Book of Enoch, of which the main object is to make known the description of the heavenly bodies and the true names of the same, as revealed to the patriarch by the angel Uriel. This profession betrays, of itself, the Magian source whence its inspiration was derived. Many Jews, nevertheless, accepted it as a divine revelation, even the Apostle Jude scruples not to quote it as of genuine scriptural authority. The Pista Sophia, attributed to the Alexandrian heresiarch Valentinus, so important a guide in the following inquiry, perpetually refers to it as, the highest source of knowledge, as being dictated by Christ himself, speaking out of the tree of life unto the primal man. Another Jewish Gnostic scripture of even greater interest, inasmuch as it is the Bible of the only professed Gnostic sect that has maintained its existence to the present day, the Mandites of Besorah, is their textbook, the Book of Adam. Its doctrines and singular application of Zoroastrism to Jewish tenets present frequent analogies to those of the Pista Sophia, in its continual reference to the ideas of the religion of light of which full particulars will be given when the latter remarkable work comes to be considered. Gnosticism, therefore, cannot receive a better definition than in that dictum of the sect first and specially calling itself Gnostics, the Nasani, translated by the Greeks into Ephites, viz., the beginning of perfection is the knowledge of man, but absolute perfection is the knowledge of God. The Gnostics and Their Remains, by Charles William King, 1887. Nothing better than those mysteries by which, from a rough and fierce life, we are polished to gentleness, humanity, kindness, and softened. Cicero, De Legibus, 2, 14. Descend, O Soma, with that stream with which thou lightest up the sun. Soma, a life ocean spread through all, thou fillest creative the sun with beams. Read Veda, 2, 143. The beautiful virgin ascends, with long hair, and she holds two ears in her hand, and sits on a seat and feeds a boy as yet little, and suckles him and gives him food. Avener. It is alleged that the Pentateuch was written by Moses, and yet it contains the account of his own death, Deuteronomy 34-6, and in Genesis 14-14, the name Dan is given to a city, which Judges 18-29, tells us was only called by that name at that late day, it having previously been known as Laish. Well might Josiah have rent his clothes when he had heard the words of the book of the law, for there was no more of Moses in it than there is of Jesus in the gospel according to John. We have one fair alternative to offer our theologians, leaving them to choose for themselves, and promising to abide by their decision. Only they will have to admit, either that Moses was an imposter, or that his books are forgeries, 
written at different times and by different persons, or, in, that they are full of fraudulent interpolations. In either case the work loses all claims to be considered divine revelation. Here is the problem, which we quote from the Bible, the word of the God of truth. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name of Jehovah was I not known to them, Exodus 6 3, spake God unto Moses. A very startling bit of information that, when, before arriving at the book of Exodus, we are told in Genesis 22:14 that Abraham called the name of that place, where the patriarch had been preparing to cut the throat of his only begotten son, Jehovah Yireh. Jehovah sees. Which is the inspired text. Both cannot be. Which the forgery. Now, if both Abraham and Moses had not belonged to the same holy group, we might, perhaps, help theologians by suggesting to them a convenient means of escape out of this dilemma. They ought to call the Reverend Jesuit Fathers, especially those who have been missionaries in India, to their rescue. The latter would not be for a moment disconcerted. They would coolly tell us that beyond doubt Abraham had heard the name of Jehovah and borrowed it from Moses. Do they not maintain that it was they who invented the Sanskrit, edited Manu, and composed the greater portion of the Vedas? Martian maintained, with the other Gnostics, the fallaciousness of the idea of an incarnate God, and therefore denied the corporeal reality of the living body of Christ. His entity was a mere illusion, it was not made of human flesh and blood, neither was it born of a human mother, for his divine nature could not be polluted with any contact with sinful flesh. He accepted Paul as the only apostle preaching the pure gospel of truth, and accused the other disciples of depraving the pure form of the gospel doctrines delivered to them by Jesus, mixing up matters of the law with the words of the Savior. Finally we may add that modern biblical criticism, which unfortunately became really active and serious only toward the end of the last century, now generally admits that Martian's text of the only gospel he knew anything about, that of Luke, is far superior and by far more correct than that of our present synoptics. We find in supernatural religion the following, for every Christian, startling sentence, we are, therefore, indebted to Martian for the correct version even of the Lord's Prayer. H.P. Blavatsky If, leaving for the present the prominent founders of Christian sects, we now turn to that of the Ephites, which assumed a definite form about the time of Martian and the Basilideans, we may find in it the reason for the heresies of all others. Like all other Gnostics, they rejected the Mosaic Bible entirely. Nevertheless, their philosophy, apart from some deductions original with several of the most important founders of the various branches of Gnosticism was not new. Passing through the Chaldean Kabbalistic tradition, it gathered its materials in the Hermetic books, and pursuing its flight still farther back for its metaphysical speculations, we find it floundering among the tenets of Manu, and the earliest Hindu anti-sacerdotal Genesis. Many of our eminent antiquarians trace the Gnostic philosophies right back to Buddhism, which does not impair in the least either theirs or our arguments. We repeat again, Buddhism is but the primitive source of Brahmanism. It is not against the primitive Vedas that Gautama protests. It is against the sacerdotal and official state religion of his country, and the Brahmins, who in order to make room for and give authority to the castes, at a later period crammed the ancient manuscripts with interpolated shlokas, intended to prove that the castes were predetermined by the Creator by the very fact that each class of men was issued from a more or less noble limb of Brahma. Gautama Buddha's philosophy was that taught from the beginning of time in the impenetrable secrecy of the inner sanctuaries of the pagodas. We need not be surprised, therefore, to find again, 
In all the fundamental dogmas of the Gnostics, the metaphysical tenets of both Brahmanism and Buddhism. They held that the Old Testament was the revelation of an inferior being, a subordinate divinity, and did not contain a single sentence of their Sophia, the divine wisdom. As to the New Testament, it had lost its purity when the compilers became guilty of interpolations. The revelation of divine truth was sacrificed by them to promote selfish ends and maintain quarrels. The accusation does not seem so very improbable to one who is well aware of the constant strife between the champions of circumcision and the law, and the apostles who had given up Judaism. H. P. Blavatsky Tonight, if you choose to call for the fiery truth of the Ascended Master's consciousness and understanding of who and what the angelic host do, and how mankind can have more power and assistance from the angelic host, you will be able to open the door to many, many blessings that we want to give, that you need, the world requires, and that do fulfill the great divine plan. I trust from tonight you will never feel that the angelic host, and occasionally an angel comes here or there, and that's about all you remember about us. If you are aware of what we do, and understand what we can do, and since everything we do is to help you, I hope we may bring ourselves to your remembrance. And if you don't remember us, only in times of disaster can we make ourselves felt powerfully enough to gain your attention while we give the protection. And since protection is very much needed by that which is constructive in the world, the angelic host must be recognized, accepted, and called into the lower physical atmosphere of earth if we are to release greater power for your freedom and your protection. Applause, audience rising. Thank you so much, precious ones. Won't you be seated please, and just remain so. Tonight I trust I may give you some assistance in your call to us by which we can answer you more quickly, and make you aware of all that we may bestow. If you will call sometime each day to your beloved I am presence and to us, the great angelic host, to charge into your life streams, and through you and around you, what we know you need the most to give your beloved I am presence the greatest possible opportunity for the outpouring of what your presence wants to do for your nation, and what we want to do for your nation. That which is of God within your borders, that which is the God government and God freedom of your land and your people, I assure you, came from the ascended master's octave. The guarding presence you have had thus far has come from the angelic host. And now there must come the fiery truth of our existence, our assistance, our protection, and the angelic host's authority and power to compel mankind's awakening, first of all within this nation, and then throughout the world. If you will call to us to charge you with what your nation is going to require next that can be done through you, you may be assured, it would only produce harmony, purity, and perfection for you. There is nothing we will do through you or for you that would not bless you and hold harmony in every way, because the law of the angelic host, I assure you, is sacred fire harmony, which is our love. And that is our life. Beloved Archangel Michael. We cannot give you anything that would not produce harmony for you, even though you asked us to pour through you what the nation needs most. Sometimes that might be through your decrees. Sometimes it might be through your music. Sometimes it might be just through your radiation to those among whom you move, or to the place where you go from time to time. The way and means that the angelic host poor help, God's help, to the people of this world, our ways and means are infinite and all-powerful. 
And if you care to build the momentum of this just quietly within yourself, as an acceptance of all the power of the sacred fire that the angelic host knows you require in outer physical conditions, give us the opening, and we will release the sacred fire of our love. Make the call to your beloved I am presence and the great central sun's cosmic law and cosmic concentration of the fiery truth about the angelic host, to be compelled into mankind's consciousness until individuals awaken to the acceptance of our reality. Through your I am come pageant, we will pour every possible assistance to those who become aware of the angelic host, as the attention is held upon those in the caste. From the inner level, the great cosmic law of life never ceases pouring forth infinite ways and means of bringing the greater perfection and manifestations of the universe into the lesser, always with that revealing consciousness that is the intelligence and fiery truth that is self-evident within life. Therefore the angelic host, as you call forth their fiery intelligence within yourselves, will explain within you what our service is, and what we can give you, first in your feeling, then in the intellect. Your call will go forth by conscious command, which is an intellectual determination. But the awareness of our presence will be felt within your feeling world before your intellect makes the decision as to how to send forth the command. And if the world only knew enough to put the heart flame first in adoration to the mighty I am presence, and then to the angelic host before any physical thing was planned or brought into existence, you would find the ascended master's perfection manifesting through individuals who would do that. Beloved Archangel Michael, 